What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 83 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week, I have Transylvania associate head coach John Otto, and we're going to talk about Division Three lacrosse, what are some of the differences between that and Division One, and what recruiting is like and what he can and cannot do. And we're starting now. All right, I'm here with uh, Coach Logan Otto. He's the associate head coach at Transylvania University Men's Lacrosse in Kentucky. Coach, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast this week. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mike. This is awesome. Uh, a, a longtime listener here, and excited to be on here. Yeah, and I'm 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 pumped to have you have you on and kind of kind of talk about the the Division Three layout and kind of how that you know your guys. We're going to talk mostly about the recruiting stuff and kind of get your your take on that but before we kind of dive into all that stuff why don't you kind of tell fill people in on like who is transylvania like what you guys are about and kind of give us a description yeah yeah so we are a uh, division three program in the heart of downtown lexington kentucky um we're not your traditional division three is you know a lot of uh, smaller schools that are kind of in rural areas or small towns we are right dead center um, in downtown Lexington, and Lexington's a really cool city. Uh, 30,000 college students in the city, you know, 300,000 in the city. I like to call it the, um, the biggest small town. You know, everybody sort of knows everyone, but at the same time, there's so much to do with the uh, SEC football. We're like two blocks away from Rupp Arena. We won't go into that Evansville loss last night um, too much, but... There's just a lot to do, and it's it's a great campus, and uh, you know we have tremendous support from uh, our our uh, president and AD, uh, Dr. Sheely, and and she really values lacrosse and and the uh, Division Three athletic experience for our students. So it's it's a great place. I've been there six seasons now, um, and working with uh, Terry Justice, our head coach, who's built this program into something really special, and it's it's been a lot of fun to see it grow. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you the chance to, to make the pitch. Like, what is it you, whenever you're going to, you know, recruits calling you or, you know, maybe they come to your office. Like, what's usually the pitch? Like, how do you guys kind of sell the program on, 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 uh, on a recruit or a parent? Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's definitely the Division three uh, student-athlete experience is so unique, and I think it provides a great um, opportunity for students because you get really that true student feel, and that's the same way at Transylvania. Um, we have a lot of majors that are, you know, marked out and, and kind of navigated by the student, and we've got some great partnerships with some major universities. So we have like a 4-1 engineering program with the University of Kentucky. Uh, we've had a few young men graduate through that um, with like a physics or mathematics degree, mm -hmm. and then uh, they've bypassed the master's program and gone into PhD programs at UK and and most of them are getting some major award money there and working as research assistants and, and uh, you know, teaching assistants. And then, you know, a lot of young men in pre-med and exercise sciences, education, there's just so many opportunities. And at the same time, we're, you know, in a really exciting uh, part of our program where we're building uh, the program up to, you know, not only make it to the NCAA tournament and win a conference championship, but continue to build towards competing at the highest level we possibly can and, and make a splash uh, as a Midwest or, you know, Southern school. We're in that awkward, you know, Kentucky is in Midwest, is it Southeast? Right. Uh, but we, we love what we're doing here. And, um, and we also love that we can help in the growth of the Bluegrass State, you know, in lacrosse, 
at the local level as well. So it's a, it's yeah. a great place. I love it here. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys, uh, I guess if you're a Kentucky fan, you're probably SEC. Uh, uh, to be honest, that's how I end up. It, it's funny because uh, when I was kind of doing my divisions on <clears throat> the uh, on LAX records, I was like, all right, how do I figure out where I put some of these states? Like even Texas, like I was like, where do I put them? Yeah. I say I looked at a lot of the major football alignments. I was like, well, Kentucky's in the SEC, so probably there because it could have got could have gone easily Midwest, but it was just kind of like you right. know where. Uh, of course, the way football alignments go nowadays, give it five years, <laughs> who knows where anybody will be <laughs> at that point? Kind of Absolutely. Up that area, but it's a little uh, behind the curtain on how I kind of decided where everybody went there. Um, so yeah, that's great. And you mentioned you guys are a D3 program um, and also kind of in Kentucky. But, you know, I, I talked to quite a few like D1 coaches um, in the previous few podcasts, and we've kind of talked about the recruiting process. And most people are, you know, at least have a tangential idea of what the recruiting process for D1, just because it's you know, so much bigger, um, you know, considering all the other major sports. But for D3, like, what's that recruiting process like for you guys? Yeah, it's it's uh, a really cool experience. I think for me, you know, coming into college uh, coaching, because I was originally a high school English teacher and coached at the high school level in the state of Kentucky in Lexington, just down the road. And it was a unique opportunity to, to jump into it. So as I kind of learned how to recruit at the D3 level and at the college level, um, one of the most fun things and, and uh, greatest bits of advice I learned from our head coach, Terry Justice, was just let's be a school that really makes things personalized. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never had to send that, you know, 5,000 form letter, you know, after an event, you know, dear, and then it says uh, recruit name, you know. Um, <laughs> You know, those are those are uh, coaches nightmare. But for me, uh, everything's been very personalized. So, you know, what we do is we hit the road in the uh, summer and the fall and winter and catch events and kind of find our uh, niche events that we really like and look for for the players that we feel can help us elevate. I mean, every year it's about finding the next guy who can push our players currently in the program and for those guys currently in the program to push our our new recruits. So, mm-hmm. you know, we really just hit the road and then create those relationships through email first. Um, okay. and then, you know, text and call, but for sure, the big thing I like to tell our guys in the recruitment process is you've got a lot going on. I'm not going to be the guy who beats up your phone all week, you know? So I, I just like to check in on them and, yeah. you know, eventually get them down to campus to see what we're building. Yeah. So what um, what do you guys or is a D three program like? What do you guys what may or may you not do differently than like say a Division one guy? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is is uh, there's certainly timelines, right? With mm-hmm. uh, there's only so many spots, uh, and that you know trickles down all the way to uh, D three from D one and D two down. Um, but I think for us, one of our biggest philosophies is that we really want our guys to make sure they make the right decision. So we don't really put a lot of stress on timelines. Um, what we want is, you know, we say to guys, there are two major decisions in your life, who you marry and where you go to college, and you don't want to mess those up. Yeah. So we really want guys to be 100% bought in on Transylvania University lacrosse and, and going to school here and, and what we're doing. Um, so we feel that we just kind of build that relationship. We usually know by about, you know, December or January, the, most of the guys, but you know, division three and just in the college recruitment uh, world, 
you know, guys fall, fall into your lap and say, Hey, I, you know, I just kind of stumbled upon your university or this didn't work out and I'm really interested. And mm-hmm. so there's always a little bit of unique uh, elements towards the end of uh, the spring season even. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned a little bit of the timeline, like um, if, you know, I'm, I know I have a lot of parents that listen to the podcast and kind of curious, you know, cause obviously the, the big deals are made again of D1, but what's the, the timeline for general, like, and you know, I'm to see, Everybody's going to be a little bit different, but for you guys, like, what are the timelines you're kind of looking at as far as like maybe when you start looking at a player, maybe what year they are in high school, and then maybe when you start reaching out and then uh, you know even to the point where you kind of start to expect like that that verbal commitment. Sure, sure. So as far as our engagement to a recruit, you know, in the process, we're really looking at that junior junior summer, you know, sophomore into sophomore year into junior summer to kind of really. Um, locate the guys we're looking at, see what they're bringing and kind of start that relationship. Um, but we're not really going into that sophomore year or anything like that. It's just too early. And, yeah. you know, that craziness has kind of run its course in lacrosse, which has, I think, been very beneficial to the Midwest and a lot of the, uh, you know, non-hopbed locations. Yeah. Um, so then as they get into their senior year, the biggest thing, a huge piece of our program is, is the visit, you know, and we want them to come on campus. And um, I can tell you as much as I can about Transylvania lacrosse, but I really want you to meet our guys and get a feel for our program in the locker room and our practices. And are these guys going to be guys that you're going to spend four years with, you know, really competing and committing to the process and enjoying the classroom element and the social element? I mean, that's important. And, um, and that's really, you know, the next step, getting them on campus, meeting the guys. And then from there, of course, the unique part of Division Three is just the application process and obviously the differences between D2 and D1 and, you know, merit-based and financial aid. Uh, those things are just vastly different. So it kind of, you know, makes it a little longer for Division Three and yeah. waiting those things out. Um, you mentioned the the because that's one of our later questions, but you kind of op- opened the door as far as mm-hmm. like that that financial part, like – how does that differ between D1 and D2? Yeah, I mean, in, in Division III, we're, we're not able to offer any any scholarships based on athletics. So everything is about the, um, the student element. So, you know, we're looking for guys who are leaders, you know, that are participating in many programs. Um, and then, of course, that GPA and and test score is, is important. But, you know, at our university, we have a test optional program, which is really cool because, you know, there's a lot of young people that – you know, don't test well and are definitely hard workers and and uh, and will do well in, in our academic setting. It's, it's a tough school. But, you know, if you put forth the work, our uh, our professors are going to reward you. And, um, you know, I love that test optional element in our admissions process. But I always tell parents all the time, sometimes they get to their senior fall tournaments and they go, what do we do? Do I play club ball or do I do an ACT prep course for that last? And I'm like, prep course, no doubt. Yeah, it saves you thousands. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of talked about the the timelines and stuff like that. I kind of want to go real back real quick because obviously with the you mentioned the the, the rule change and as far as like the timeline, I guess. And uh, I, I kind of agree. Like almost every coach and every player I talk to now has just kind of raved about the rule change i mean i think you know if we've talked brennan o'neill might be a once in a generation player for many reasons but he also I, might be the last guy we ever see hopefully ever see as a commit as an eighth grader um in that process yeah. too and i, I kind of really agree like it that rule has probably helped 
maybe more kids in like the non-hotbed areas than anywhere else because i mean a kid on an island he has the opportunity to get seen a lot more but you know a kid in kentucky may may not have that visibility because who's who's really thinking about an eighth grader in kentucky to begin with like you know no no one really should have been thinking about an eighth grader on long island but you know is right. what it is because it's the the nate the the legends get around there a lot easier um Absolutely. but you know even with that like being you guys are d3 like as far as being able to talk to underclassmen and things like that, like, is there any difference between you guys and, and some of the other levels? Well, the, the Division Three rules are a little bit more relaxed than the uh, Division One and Division Two element of them. So for us, the big thing is the main the main rule we really, uh, really have to abide by is that January 1st junior year mm-hmm. uh, official visit time. Mm-hmm. So getting them on campus to do an official. That's the main one. Otherwise, we can really communicate with uh, underclassmen. But, you know, uh, we don't really hit up a lot of sophomores or anything like that. So right. we uh, we tend to take our time and find the right guys and get to know them a little bit more before we get too formal at that age. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's probably, you know, if it, I mean, I guess if a, a sophomore is expressing interest in you guys, that's that's not a bad thing. But then again, it's like no. you want to make sure they've had their opportunity to also explore their options because, you know, again, almost every coach I talk to, it's like it's not just about, you know, playing lacrosse in college. It's like you really want to make sure you got the right fit. Like you guys are in downtown um, Lexington, you mentioned like. 300,000 people like that's not a small town like you know I went to Mount St. Mary's which the population of Emmitsburg is about 3,000 people (laughs) so I mean and that's a division one program so it's like do you want a city of 300,000 do you appreciate being in a downtown area or do you want something more rural like there's a lot of things to consider and I think some of that comes with age and maturity to figure out like what you want I mean I talked to many kids who like they grew up in a downtown area and they're like, I don't want to live down, you know, I don't want to go to school there. It's like they go swing the opposite way. So I think taking that time. So again, but you know, it also doesn't hurt to like, if they think they're interested in Transylvania or a D3 program, it's like, you know, maybe it, it might give you a little bit more option because you can't talk to the D1 guys, but they could talk to you guys, at least get some, you know, feedback um, on whether Absolutely. or not, you know, the coaching staff. I mean, so much of it is coaching staff as well. And that, that fit and yeah. the college, like, you know, also, I know a lot of people say, like, you can't really – like I don't think it happens in lacrosse quite as much as maybe some of the other sports. But as far as, like, you know, the guy that recruited you may not be there, you know, right. when, when you get there. So you got to be a part of the school. Like, again, I don't think it happens in lacrosse. Like, I always think of the NBA and football guys who jump right. ship. But, uh, you know, it's still – it's it's always there. It, it You know, it does happen. Um, sure. So sure. – Especially with the recruitment assistants do at, at every level. You know, they yeah. build those relationships and – opportunities come up so i definitely understand that yeah um so we've kind of gone through some of the 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 d3 process but still the i think the number one question that everybody gets and you kind of brought it up a little bit as far as you guys picking events but if you're giving advice to like a player or a parent um when they're trying to choose which events to send their kid to because as you know there is a lot to choose from nowadays and i mean we're (laughs) recording this on november 13th we're kind of in the middle of that you know that very short span where you guys are out there doing the recruiting again and checking out kids like but how do players and parents like what what's your recommendation for players and parents like when they're trying to decide like event a or event b or you know event z in most cases like trying to sort through yeah. all those yeah there's there's so many options and and obviously uh, a lot of financial decisions to be made there i i also run a um, a club program with uh, one of uh, my really good friends who played at Birmingham Southern in Jacksonville his name's Ben Schaefer um, we've been running Commonwealth Kings for almost nine years, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's 
been really rewarding, but at, at the same time, you have to look into these conversations a lot because, you know, these, these guys go and play, you know, at one event and all of a sudden they're bombarded with 10 showcases, right? And yeah. which one do I go to and financially and, and, you know, there's, I, I always tell our guys make a list, you know, of about 10 to 20 schools you know, that they're really interested in. And then, you know, they have to be realistic, right? I mean, all of us want to go to Syracuse. I know I did. I watched Mikey Powell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I said either I want to go to Syracuse or Princeton, Ryan Boyle or Mikey Powell, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I was really a Division three lacrosse player, and that was kind of my talent level. So I try to tell guys, you know, what's your long shots? What's your, your schools lacrosse-wise you're really interested at? you know, multiple levels. And then what are you interested in school-wise? Because there's so many opportunities. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the other thing is just, um, you have to ask yourself, you know, when do you want to play? If you want an opportunity to play early, there's just so many great opportunities at the division three level, you know, to make an impact on a program. Um, but with, with the events kind of circling back to that, uh, I tell them to look at, you know, the previously attending schools, and what fits within their budget, you know, because sometimes traveling from, you know, Louisville, Kentucky and going to Long Island for a showcase is going to be really tough. Yeah. Um, and it's a financial, uh, it's a serious financial commitment. So, you know, I tell guys all the time, you know, pick and choose a couple opportunities. The schools you're really interested, that's definitely a time where you can think about your prospect day. Um, and those type of situations, the ones you're really serious about and getting a feel for their program, it's almost like committing to a visit, except you get to practice and, and be coached up. Um, and I, I tell them to take that into account. There's so many opportunities. It's a great thing. But the last thing you want is, you know, your family to go crazy, spending a ton of money, and then you may end up somewhere right in your backyard, potentially. Right. Um, that's an interesting point you made, because, you know, I guess... I always kind of refer to it as almost self-awareness, like kids trying to figure out like where, where they fit. Um, and it's funny because I posted a quote from um, the, from an interview I did with Coach Tierney at Denver from years ago, saying like you know if a kid's getting twenty you know twenty offers from D three schools and one offer from a D one, he may have to come to the realization that he may be a D three player. And so not surprising that a lot of people kind of push back, thinking like oh you know there's always that you know don't let people tell you where you go. But I think there's there's a lot of truth in that. So like when you're talking to your kids, like how do you kind of steer them into that? Like being realistic, like, cause I mean, again, you wanted to go to Syracuse or Princeton, like, how was it for you? Like what kind of made you realize that, you know, all right, you know, maybe that's not the best fit for me. And how do you kind of relay that to a kid now to kind of be like, you know, don't waste your money going to a bunch of D one schools. If you know, you may be a D three guy. I saw that quote, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, what Coach Tierney said, and, and and definitely recognize that. And, you know, with our guys, I tell a story of, you know, our co-director, I mentioned him earlier, Ben Schaefer. Mm -hmm. He started playing lacrosse when he was in, I think his ninth grade year, just yeah. picked up a stick. And, uh, you know, I, I used to drive by this park, and he'd be running hills. And I'd be like, man, that kid's really trying hard. You know, <laughs> we'll see if he, you know. And it turned out, you know, by his senior year, he was a high school All-American. He uh, went to Birmingham Southern College and was like all everything there and is just a, one of the best players I've been on a field with and, you know, uh, took a grad year and played at Jacksonville. So he really understands the whole process through it. Mm -hmm. And I try to tell guys all the time, you know, are you willing to turn the lights on 
on the hill at Veterans Park and run sprints and do cone work and shoot and just keep shooting because that's a, a real element of what it takes to compete at that level. Um, and, you know, Division Three has so many great players. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've watched a guy play on the opposite side of the field against us, and I've gone, how is that kid not, you know, playing at the <laughs> highest level possible? But it's, it's you know, they found the right fit for them. Yeah. Um, and you just have to do that research. But, yeah, I, I just try to guide them through it, and I ask them, you know, are you, this is a typical schedule of a Division One, and I use some of our former club players and what they've told me. And, you know, we've had guys go to Colgate. We've had guys go to Washington and Lee. And we've had guys play at Transylvania, Transylvania um, all over the country. So I look at those schedules and those commitments, and I say, what do you want and what are you studying? Because you have to be ready for the demands of every different level. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, I – I, I don't want to say it gets lost in the shuffle, but I hear you know I, I hear a lot like D one or bus like you know I want to play D one mm-hmm. and I always think about it, it's like you know you, sometimes you the academics thing doesn't get stressed enough and I'm you know I I was not a college athlete did not have the the skill set but it's like you know I, I chose a place that had the education that I want and I don't think it really should be a lot different for school like you know I grew up in North Carolina it was one of those things like. And you had to choose early, like when you were a kid. It's like everybody was like, "Do you want?" Because Duke was still a burgeoning program basketball. They weren't the powerhouse yeah. then, so it was like UNC or NC State. And it was when right. it was like there was a division, like you know, the technical college of North Carolina State versus the more liberal arts education of UNC. Um, that wasn't the conversation at the time. You were picking a basketball program for turns out the rest of your life <laughs> at, that, at that point in time um, at five years old. But you know that really kind of is this thing too. It's like you know, it's like do you prefer like. You don't go if you want to be a farmer in North Carolina. You don't go to UNC. Like, you know, right. it's kind of one of those yeah. things. So, you know, it's not not a whole lot different when you're looking at various schools. You mentioned the medical program at at Transylvania. It's like if that's kind of what you want to do for the next forty years, you got to look at what the the fit is outside. You know, even along with everything else, like you know, all that stuff, Absolutely. the athletic and academic factors. Um, and you know, I have to say that because I can't stress it enough because so many times I hear about the athletic side. Um, and even like, but every coach always mentions the academic side, but I think that gets lost a little bit in the shuffle. So I'll get off my bandwagon, <laughs> get off my soapbox <laughs> for the moment now. <laughs> well, we, we always say it's like, you know, we knock on wood when we say it, but when we talk to recruits, we say, you know, if you roll your ankle, you break your ankle or you tear your ACL, you know, we don't ever want to have that happen. But if it does, are you going to be okay, you know, with lacrosse out of that element? Like, do you want to go to school here? Um, And, you know, we've had a really good retention rate. That's something we pride ourselves on. We've even had guys who've had um, season-ending injuries or career-ending injuries. And, you know, we find a role for them, whether they're helping us with our practice, you know, sort of as a manager or, you know, we've had guys be our PA and and our uh, personalities on our live streams. but, you know, we try to keep people involved, and that's important, I think, to creating great culture. Um, and being eight years into a program, it's exciting to kind of be at the ground floor up and kind of see that all develop. Yeah. But it's it's huge, you know. And uh, so I got to ask, which did you choose, NC State or North Carolina? I, I went for the red and white. I was NC State guy <laughs> through and through. Like, and, uh, again, that was – that would have been what eighty three. It was literally kindergarten. I remember the conversation. Yeah. Like I had like three guys walked up and they're like NC State or UNC, and it was just one of those. I was like, "Well, I like red." So like literally, that was the deciding factor. I was like, "I like yeah. the red over the Carolina blue." <laughs> like that, that that yeah. was it. Uh, so it's like, but then uh, yeah. So it's amazing the thing. <laughs> well, as long as you don't come in five into... years old. <laughs> 
As long as you don't come into Lexington with Duke talk, you know, with basketball, it gets a little, you know, old uh, uh, old lady in the street will be like, are you wearing a Duke basketball shirt? Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> I love because I'm a big Duke lacrosse fan. I've really enjoyed meeting a lot of their alumni and uh, and just uh, had an opportunity to meet Brendan Fowler once in it. And I was like, man, I'm a big Duke. Like, this seems like an awesome program and they're doing such amazing things. And I was like, but I won't be wearing any Duke basketball shirts here in Kentucky. I just, I don't need that type of torture. So. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's certain things you just got to be that closet fan at certain points. Yeah. So. It's, it's easy for me to say NC State is a, a lacrosse guy because even though I went to Mount St. Mary's, it's like, you know, what yeah. NC State is like, there's not a dog in that fight. So I can't really be accused <laughs> of bias in any, any regard or anything like that. So it's like, for me, it's kind of nice that they don't really have a, a club program or, well, they have a club program, but not like a D1, D2 or D3. So I'm like, right. I get to keep myself separated from that from that a little bit um so you know yeah we've we've talked about a lot and i do kind of want to cover a couple couple other items here real quick but you know another thing like mostly players is it almost is that um i guess mystery i'll say as far as like how players kind of go about getting noticed like what what gets your eye like on a recruit like what's kind of stuff you know and i know it's not one thing i i know players probably want it to be one specific thing that they do um, but we know it's not. So, like, what are some things that a player can do to kind of get themselves noticed by by a college coach? Absolutely. So as far as just in the process of communicating your interest, you know, we really emphasize the guys to continue to email us. Let us know about their schedule. Um, we definitely know guys we need to focus on if they're serious about playing Transylvania lacrosse that they're going to communicate. Um, so emailing, you know, any films, you know, I, I love hearing about – games you know texting me and going hey I, I scored this many goals against our rival high school I want to know about this stuff I think it's yeah. awesome and I think it's huge to build a relationship into who that young man is and give him an idea of who I am and as his coach but um, as far as on the field you know I tell our guys all the time it starts at warm-ups and you know there's nothing more infectious and nothing more exciting to see from the sidelines than someone who's positive um, I watched an attack when I was at a FLG and 3D this weekend in Delaware recruiting and coaching. And I watched a, um, excuse me, a um, Midwestern team have a very good weekend. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that stood out was a young man who was an attackman was at the midline talking to his defense. So as the ball was on the opposite side, he was communicating. And I thought that's such an awesome, positive, high IQ great teammate moment those are the guys i like the guys who ride really hard that aren't throwing the silly checks for people to to run by right um knowing when to push and when to make a good decision uh are, are really important things and just ground balls i love seeing a guy come out of a scrum with a ground ball um and just communicating on defense so there's so many, so many elements yeah but you know it does start at the warm-up I, I like to watch guys warm up and see how dialed in they're getting, you know, I, I, and if it's a loose, positive feel, I want to see how they react once they get on the field. And does that loose, positive feel bring them, you know, a, a calmness to their team or does it distract, you yeah. know, and kind of reading the situation. So I really look for those moments. And, uh, you know, I used to, there's one thing I just always think about. I remember one time watching Mikey Powell on an ESPN game, you know, in the final four and, and he's walking around during warm-ups and they're filming him and all this, you can, you know, like Leaf, Leaf Elsmo's talking and describing the game. And uh, his stick never left his collarbone. 
Yeah. So he was going through the warm-up, and his stick was always there. He was never leaning on it and never dropped. And I remember as a young guy just being like, that's crazy. He's just always ready to catch the ball. Yeah. So little things like that on the field are huge. And, and you know, there's something to be said about a guy. You know, if you play attack, guess what? You're going to get checked. It's part of the game. It's going to be on your arms. It's going to be on your head. Are you going to be the guy who turns and talks to the ref? Are you going to be the guy who plays through it, gets the flag, and then you score and be able to go man up right after it? And that's those are little things I really look for. And, um, you know, that's why when you get to coach, you're just like, this is a really fun job because yeah. you get to watch those moments. Yeah. It, I can it, get long-winded on this, Mike, I'm telling you. Oh, that's a, that, that'd be perfectly fine with me. One of the <laughs> things I think I find most interesting, and I mean, I guess I have a little bit of luxury because a lot of times I do – some of these podcasts, like I'll talk to two or three coaches in the span of a week, but it always gets me. And so like for the people that are listening to this, maybe in the span of like the couple weeks that it takes for me to, uh, to publish them is it's always the little things. Like you mentioned the attack man talking to his defenders at the line. Like he, he's not running to the net and scoring a goal. He's not making, you know, he's not trying to take on like four or five guys and leaving open players and stuff like that. Like I have never heard a coach tell me that they love the guy that, you know, takes on the entire team to score the goal right. as the guy that they want on their team. Like they're looking for the smart player. It's always the, the little things that kind of gets your guy's attention. Um, and I think I can't, again, stress that enough to like players, like you guys are always watching and you're watching the stuff that's not necessarily happening on the field. You talk about Mikey Powell, you know, with the, the stick and he's always ready to catch. Funny enough, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were, someone was laying a story of uh, Joe DiMaggio it was in like a 13 nothing game in the last week of the season when the Yankees had already clinched, you know, the probably, you know, the, the pennant at that point in time. Um, and someone asked him, was like, why, you know, and it was like he dove for a ground ball and really a nothing game. And they were like, why are you playing so hard? Like, and when it really means nothing, he was like, there's someone out there that's seeing Joe DiMaggio play for the first time and maybe the only time. He's like, and I want this to be the impression that they get. And I think players can kind of take some of that to heart as well because. Maybe the only time you get to see a guy play, and if that's the impression, like what impression do they want to give you whenever they walk off the field? It's like, is it you know, the guy's, you know, the consummate teammate that does what it does to help the team win, or is it the guy that, you know, barks at the ref because he's getting checked? Like, I mean, yeah. you can, you, they get the players get to control that. Like, it's not your mom, not your mom or your dad or your coach. Like, that's the stuff that they can control. So they get to when they're on the field and between those lines and even, you know, just off the lines, like they get to decide like what your perception of them is. And I mean, I think that can be so impactful for you guys. Cause I mean, there's, there's not a lot of difference between, you know, the inside lacrosse, like 43 guy and the number 53 guy, like, right. There's going to be little things that be like, I want that guy over that guy. Mm -hmm. And like, and you can't ever really say like what it, what that exact thing was like probably once it's recruiting, you can probably be like pinpointed, but it's not going to be the same every year or every recruit. So I think that's something that recruits can take home. It's like, you know, you get to control the perception that you put out there and it may not be the thing you think <laughs> like that, <Yeah. laughs> that, that is going to get the coach's attention. It may not be the goal. It may not be the assist. It may be standing at the midline, you know, talking to the defender. It's just gets that extra little look like sometimes. And that's sometimes, I mean, not too different from life. Sometimes, you know, when you get a job, it's something, innocuous that you said and like oh that that's what did it like you never know but it's like if you just being true to yourself and doing that can it can really help Um, we we had a tremendous goalie um 
in my first couple years with the program named Cooper Fogel, and he was a Louisville native. And um, every goal, he would run out of the net to the face-off X and, <laughs> and give a hug to the guy who scored. And it was just one of those things where oftentimes you're like, Coop, get back in the net so they can set the field. <laughs> like, don't get a delay. Um, but it, his positivity was infectious. And yeah. uh, it's those little things. I saw a young man um, uh, this weekend while recruiting – I mean, through a hammer of a check and, you know, at, at the college level, it might have been, you know, let it fly. It was pretty close to hands and I thought it was good. And they called it. And the young man looks at the attackman when the ball, the play ends and he goes, I'm sorry, man, I was trying to get your hands, you know, and I and walked off and went into the box. And I was like, that's the type of stuff you look for is somebody who's just, you know, uh, doing the right thing, picking up a, an opponent if they're in the crease or something like that, or if they fall down out of bounds and there's a stoppage of play. There's just little things that you look for that are just um, energy boosters for a team. I yeah. think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, I, again, you could go long-winded. I probably could too because I've heard so many stories over the years from coaches. And, it's, right. and again, it's it's – I'm not going to say it's never happened, but you know, very rarely does a coach ever say it's the, you know, it's that because, it, it, and again, I'm sure you see it all the time too. Like I've seen guys go, they got three on one and I'm like, you got two teammates standing there with nobody within 10 right. yards of them. <laughs> it's like, you're not impressing anybody. You know, even if you score, you probably, yeah. you know, you probably had the, you know, the opposite effect that you might think you're doing. So, uh, yeah, sure. it's, uh, <laughs> worth, worth, keep, worth keeping in mind whenever you're trying to, like, everybody wants a smart player. Like, right. <laughs> it's like, you got to have right. that lacrosse IQ. It's like, w- read your situation. Um, and that goes not only in the game, but just kind of, you know, what's going on, you know, with you and what can you, what I think uh, a couple coaches have said, control your control was, I think it was, uh, coach, coaches old Chonic from Wagner mentioned that. And like, that was something he kept going back yeah. to. And it's, it's worth saying is like, you, there's a lot of things you can't control in this recruiting process. But the one thing you can is the stuff you do on the field and the perception that you're providing coaches. And again, maybe the only time you get to see them and that's, you know, you want to make sure like you have your opportunity. Like if you ever want to play trans at Transylvania, like you want to make sure that you're like, Oh yeah, I saw him. I liked him. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be like, Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, the kind of the, the evaluation part. And I think this is probably a perfect question for you because obviously being in a, what is a, a non hotbed area, I think Kentucky is one of the areas that it seems to be growing, um, you know, probably with programs like Transylvania kind of, you know, uh, building up. I always think that helps to have like, the college thing, because I think, in I think in high school sports, a lot of stuff trickles down from the professional level. Like kids see that, and then they want to they want to emulate the people, and so and I think it helps that passion of like, oh, I want to do this. Um, but you know, for the kids in Kentucky, or you know, just non hotbed areas in general, like, is the recruiting process like is the getting notice process any different in this day and age with technology and stuff like that than it may be for a kid in the the East Coast or, or Long Island, like we mentioned. Uh, you know, I, there are so many great guys who have really built up Kentucky lacrosse, and there's a lot of groundwork that has been laid by those guys. I mean, Scott Howe at St. Xavier High School has really built a program that's, you know, a, a Midwest player and is always uh, pushing themselves. They take a trip out to Virginia every spring break. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Chase Carrera went to to Denver and and played out there and, and for Coach Tierney and, and really – you know, a huge part of putting Kentucky on the map. Coach Howe's done a lot for Louisville. And then Pete Schroeder at Trinity, is an, that's another program that's really done well. And there's just so many coaches. Coach Justice, our head coach, actually kind of, we call him the godfather of Central Kentucky lacrosse. 
he's uh, he's he's been a huge part of the University of Kentucky men's club, and then you know started the uh, high school programs, which divided up, and so there's so many guys who have laid the groundwork, and and you know there's a lot of clubs popping up too. I mean, our, our club Commonwealth Kings, I love you know being a part of that growth and and helping guys develop their IQ, and then you know Hall and Hounds in Louisville with Joe Ritchie and Larry Falinski, um, and um, L4 is a great program with Reed Wesley and Dylan Gatt. They're doing great things for all these young men and young people trying to get into lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's huge. I, you know, the one thing about me, you know, moving around the Midwest, I'm just so jealous. I didn't get to play box lacrosse as a kid cause it's starting to really blow up. Yeah. Um, but you know, getting seen and, and the opportunities, uh, that those club coaches and high schools and, uh, all the coaches in the state can provide, uh, you know, there's little elements. I always think it's good to have film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I tell our guys all the time in the program, I don't need, you know, coaches don't want to see your nine minute, um, every goal that you scored, uh, you know, within the first minute and a half, that's probably as much as they're going to see at the most. Um, so put your, your good plays, your hustle plays, everything in there, um, communicate with those coaches and send them emails and, and get yourself on their radar. And then, you know, with all these teams that are traveling um, in the summers and the winter and fall, you know, there's great opportunities to go play against really, really good programs. I mean, I think L4 was out at Inside Lacrosse last weekend. Mm-hmm. The Kings were at FLG. I know um, Howland Hounds were in Maryland as well. I think they're at an Aloha event. So, you know, I think it's always good for these young men to go out there and play some of these East Coast teams because, one, the speed and just a little bit of the little things really come into play Yeah, when you're playing some of these more traditional teams. Um, if you miss a ground ball, it can be the one goal in transition that really bites you. And sometimes when you're playing high school, you can miss a ground ball and uh, it might be against a weaker team and it doesn't bite you. So I think the summer um, and fall events do a huge part of us seeing a different speed for our young young guys. Yeah. Uh, and just getting out there and playing, uh, I've had you know I had more than a few coaches come up to us at FLG and go, wait a minute, you guys are from Kentucky? Like what? <laughs> um, and I know that's happening with a lot of these these guys as they go to showcases or they play summer or fall across. Yeah. Um, it's just you know getting out there and communicating to those coaches to come by and and uh, I always said this you know uh, Ben our other director who I've talked about a few times. He always said that, you know, his coach at Jacksonville told him, we will find the guys that are ready for this level. There's so many opportunities. Just keep putting yourself out there um, and picking the right ones. Yeah, and I have to imagine, like, with you mentioned the the, the film or YouTube. Um, I, I know probably some of the kids probably were like, why do I say film? Like, it's not something <laughs> right. like showing our age a little bit. Right <laughs> um, yeah. But because uh, I did grow up in the age when, like, coaches used to have the VHS tapes and they'd put it, they'd put them in. Right. They always used to tell me they used to take out the uh, audio jack of the VHS, too, because they didn't want to hear the music. So that's not a new thing. Like, if kids have uh, a couple coaches <laughs> have told me about the music the kids choose, and I'm like, that's not new. Like, that's been going on for decades like the kids choose the music and the coaches take it you know put it on mute yeah. now but it used to take out the uh the the red and white jack so they couldn't or red and yellow jack so they couldn't hear it uh, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah i have to imagine like with the film and you mentioned it earlier like that being such a big part of kids being able to get seen because that's a way they could they could email you an email of the film and then say like hey i'm going to be at the flg in 3d this weekend 
at least that way you kind of have a you know a familiarity with the player and kind of get an idea of you know is this a player you want to look at a little bit deeper a little bit harder um yeah yeah i mean there's so many platforms and and ways to um market yourself Uh, i just think it's it's a really cool thing um for for young people to be able to get their their this information at their fingertips i mean we've got two young men on our roster that are from portland oregon um from sherwood high school and they've been tremendous players for us and i've i've never been to portland oregon you know so (laughs) it was all through the opportunity to catch them at a few events and see their film and and it's really been uh, a pretty special opportunity to coach those guys so you know, you take advantage of it. I mean, at the same time, I also think a lot of young people get rushed by the amount of technology and social media because I can't tell you how many of my kids go, oh, geez, everyone's committing. Why haven't I committed? And I'm like, just take your visits and relax. Go experience the process. But, you know, it's a gift and a curse. But I definitely think it's really cool to be able to, you know, live stream a recruits game in central Pennsylvania or yeah. watch them play football. I mean, you just didn't have those opportunities. I, 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 leg- I actually have my highlight reel. It was VHS, uh, <laughs> that I mailed in a manila envelope to all the offices. I had to find out their exact addresses and everything. So it's, uh, some real dinosaur type stuff, uh, in my house right there. Yeah, so the, the, I don't know if I'll ever let my team see it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the pain that kids nowadays will never know, like, you know, finding an email is not, not hard at all anymore. Like trying to find the address and the coach and all that. So make sure it gets to the right place. And then, you know, just making a copy of a VHS. Like I remember, <laughs> like I remember yeah. what that was. I remember like when we first got the dual VHS thing where you could hit, you know, put one in and record at the same time. Like, that felt mind blowing at the time. Again, we are really aging ourselves now. Kids are probably like, "What?" <laughs> do, you, what? do you remember e lacrosse? Do you remember that? No. There was e lacrosse was just like a website where it was like you'd stream like, gosh, like maybe three minute clips of games, and it'd be like, "Oh, I hear the, you know, MIAA final has some clips." And it'd be like four clips. You get the dial up going and watch it, and be like, "Oh, this is so awesome," you know. Yeah, we really are. I'm gonna stop there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are gonna start seeing this. That guy, the, that meme from you know the old man shouted the cloud, be like, "You'll never know the pain." <laughs> like we're we're one step away from saying we walked you know uphill in the snow both ways. <laughs> yes, um, yes, so, exactly. You know, uh, but yeah, I think it is an advantage of technology having made the world maybe a little bit smaller. Because I mean, I, I don't think I would have guessed. You know, I didn't look at your guys' roster before we started talking. I don't think I would have guessed two kids from Portland, Oregon would end up in a D3 school in Kentucky. Um, right. Because, I mean, that's just, you know, again, Oregon's one of those areas that, like, they're about as far from the East Coast as you're going to get. So, you know, and you, I know you guys aren't in the East Coast, but it's like, you know, it's like right. oh, they probably went to a lot of those recruiting camps that we were talking about to to get out there and get noticed. And they probably put in a lot – they definitely put in a lot of freaking flyer miles. But I think, like, <laughs> you mentioned the film, like, that can help. Like, you know, you, yeah. you have – there's tools out there that can kind of – make the world a little bit smaller and kind of help you get noticed maybe a little bit more. And But, you know, I think the non-hotback kids, like, unfortunately, you may have to work a little bit harder to get that mm-hmm. attention than maybe a kid on the, the East Coast because I know, you know, I mean, you know, you guys can probably go to a high school game during the season, but, you know, you're probably you're probably not getting to a Portland, Oregon game during the high school season. Yeah. So it's like, you know, those kids, you got, I mean, it's the reality situation until I think our sport grows to a point where, you're like, you're like Division One football where they're everywhere. 
Um, right. That's just kind of kind of be the reality of the situation. Like if you're you're in one of those, you're at Utah or in Oregon or something like that, you might have to put in a little bit more work than maybe a kid from Baltimore or Long yeah. Island does. But you know, that's also like if you want it bad enough, it's, it's yep. kind of the nature of the sport, and it's probably not a bad test for co- playing college athletics either. Because right, college ain't easy, so you're gonna have to do a little bit more work there too. So it's so you know it separates the the players a little bit as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you know, kind of wrapping up, kind of separating yourself is is pretty good. We've talked about a lot of the athletic things, but what's um, some non-athletic factors that feature feature heavily in the D three recruiting process? You know, I of course grades are really important. So you know, everything is merit based at the Division three level. So you know, grades are just. Uh, uh, a real deal breaker. And, and usually a lot of people don't realize they kind of look at the price tag of division three schools mm-hmm. and they don't realize how much opportunity, opportunity there is for a reduced rate um, because of merit opportunities and financial aid. So, you know, I always tell our guys, even if you're worried about it, you should apply and, and go take a visit because there's a lot of um, academic money to go around at these schools if you can do the work and you put in the schoolwork and you do the classroom element. But I love a player who's uh, a leader, who has leadership opportunities, well-rounded. Um, you know, anybody who's a captain is always huge. In, and, uh, you know, we've had a few Eagle Scouts, um, uh, guys involved in so many different programs. And I think, you know, that gives a different element to your team. Uh, we, we try to do in our recruitment really about 50% of our team, we try to make it in-state. So we have a lot of Lexington, Louisville, and, and occasionally Northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we look to build the other 50% of out-of-state so we can create a team that really um, gives opportunities for guys to expand and uh, their you know friendships and, and who they've played with. And uh, that's been a unique element, and that's the same way in the recruitment. We're looking for guys that are captains, guys with different backgrounds, um, to, you know, make our team, you know, a unique culture and a, a unique team to be around and, and, uh, create kind of a solid, a solid program right there. Yeah. So I, if, if that makes sense, I mean, I, I really, we've got like, a, uh, we talk about the C's in our program, which is, you know, community classroom, communication, competition, commitment, all those things are really important to us. And the more leadership opportunities you have, you know, we encourage our guys to um, do a lot of our guys are in FCA on campus. A lot of guys do uh, the SAC leadership of athletes program. Uh, our guys are studying abroad. All those things are really important, I think, for just creating a team of guys who can all, you know, work together and see different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always one of those things like it's it's different for, for every program as far as like, you know, because – Again, it depends on the – I think it's probably – I have to imagine probably, maybe not year to year, but every couple of years, like you're looking to fill certain spots. Like you maybe your captain graduating, like, oh, you know, he was the he was the motor guy and the real leader and the glue of the team. Like we we don't have another guy like that maybe in the pipeline, but we look for yeah, – I mean, you always want a leader. I mean, I don't think any team is going to say, like, we don't we have too many – well, I don't know. Too many, too many guys that want to be the leaders. I mean, I guess at some right. point you got, you do need some soldiers that you know step in line. But you know, so maybe that was yeah. the bad, bad analogy. But you know, I think you get my gist. Like you, sometimes you need some players to plug holes that you know fit the the stuff. So I mean, I think for every program and for for every maybe even every level, like those factors are going to be a little bit different. You know, I think there's still some. You know, you mentioned like 
the, the seas and the character and the community, like some of that stuff is, you know, it's still important. Like, I think that kind of, I think that's a beautiful thing about athletics is, you know, players learn a lot about that stuff. Like, you know, putting the team above the individual and stuff like that. Like there's stuff you, you learn through athletics. And I think that, you know, just kind of speaks to the kind of players that most coaches are, are trying to get. Um, so just to really finish up here, and I'm, I'm going to pin you down on one because I know it's not one thing. But, you know, is there what's the number one thing a recruit can do to kind of make themselves the most recruitable player possible? Like to give themselves the best opportunity to say, hey, I want to go to Transylvania. I want to make sure Coach Otto knows I want to go there and are interested. Like what's the one thing that they can do to make sure like that you know that they want to be recruited? You know, I – I, I feel I feel like I sound like a broken record, but I just continue to stress communication. So we really, you know, appreciate when young men email us and say, "Hey, I really want to be a part of your program. This is who I am. This is where I'm going." So communication is essential. You know, it's uh, it's something we're really looking for, and then. You know, that's going to definitely get your foot in the door for us to see you and make a commitment to come see you. I mean, we will make you a priority if you show the interest in our school because we believe you're going to play really hard and give us all you have to be here. Yeah. So that's that's a huge part of it. I just I think if you're really serious about a program and what they're building and what they're doing, you need to let them know. And uh, that goes a long way for me. Yeah. And I mean, I think and, and I kind of do want to elaborate like on the email a little bit because it comes up a number of times um, in conversation. Sure. Like what kind of stuff should um, well, first, we'll get like what should a player not do um, in that initial contact email? You know, my big thing is because sometimes we're going to see a lot of guys mm-hmm. um, and, and we're going to reach out and create that interest because I, I can tell you there's a lot of young men that I've emailed that are on this team and they're going you know, I didn't know Transylvania University existed, right? So, you know, you kind of create that that opportunity for us as a program to recruit them. So I always tell guys all the time, if you're not interested, you do your research, it doesn't seem like the right fit, please let us know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we won't take offense to that because we want to recruit people who are interested in us. You know, there's no need to string along any coaching staff for, for a long period of time. So we understand that, just be polite. Um, I think the big thing is for what I want to see in an email is always, you know, GPA, some of the background of what they're doing in school and their interests uh, academically, what they're thinking about majoring. I know, you know, I I majored in English. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you would have told me that when I was 16, I would have been like, you're a crazy man. Um, But I ended up wanting to be an English teacher and and a high school lacrosse coach. Um, But, you know, giving us a background of what you're interested in, uh, and what position you're wanting to play. I always like the film and, you know, I always like getting a, a coach's contact info so I can contact them and say, um, I can say, Hey, you know, what is this young man like? Yeah. You know, when can we get an opportunity to discuss, uh, how you feel about his play and, and how he is as a, a teammate. So, you know, I definitely think, uh, it would be really hard to mess it up in a sense. I don't, I don't, I, I think you would have to come in with, uh, definitely a, a bad tone to really throw it off because usually uh it's 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 pretty easy to get us engaged to look at that and go okay this guy's really interested i did i, I have a horror story of a, a, a one of my buddies who was college coaching and and a uh, kid emailed him back and said hey don't know your program but i'm the next paul rabel <laughs> and and that's all he said oh, and wow. so 
Yeah, yeah. It, <gasps> and and he showed it to me. He goes, man, can you believe this? And sure enough, you know, he eventually went and talked to their director and said, hey, I just want to let you know this came back. You know, you just don't want to be that guy. Just let us know if you're not interested. And and most of the time we're going to say, OK, best of luck. And and, you know, great, thanks for giving us the opportunity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of those stories where you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe <laughs> so <laughs> etiquette. Etiquette and tone is really important as an English teacher. I always, you know, uh, I always tell guys look over your email and make sure you understand your spelling, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've received an email before that has said, hey, coach, not my last name. I'm so interested in not the university you coach at. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh, tough go, you know? Yeah. You're just like, well, you know, uh, I get it. You meant to send that to me. So I always tell guys, reread it, double check. It's just like turning in an essay. Um, you know, cause you might be writing in a stream of consciousness and you're typing, typing, typing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize you have a misspelling. So that's yeah. probably my biggest thing. The most English teacher response you <laughs> could get from me. I mean, I could echo that as well as a, is someone who's, you know, been a reporter for the majority right. of his career, someone who's written like, you know, and it, it happens like you'll, you know, I, I'll be typing something and my mind's thinking of something else. The next thing you know, I'm typing it or the other way, like I'm typing something and I say something else. It's like your mind kind of gets that, that flip. And so it like does happen. And, you know, I always like, um, and I'm sure like with recruits, if they're emailing several colleges, like, you know, I always suggest like, take a break, you know, write, yeah. write three or four. If you know you're interested in the programs, like do them right. Take your time. Cause again, it's that, that first impression. It's that little thing that something you can yep. control. Like if you need to, like, write them all and then wait a day or two before you hit send and then look them over when you're fresh and not, you know, having sit there. Cause I mean, all the kids, like you guys are going to school all the time. You got practice, you got all this other stuff going on. It's very easy to just kind of make that mistake. And you don't want to burn a bridge. Our sport is small enough that, Absolutely. you know, still it's like, you don't want to burn a bridge because that stuff can kind of get around and be like, Oh yeah, this kid sent me the wrong email too. Like, you know, you get, you send the wrong email to you and with the other coach's name next thing you guys are recruiting, like he sent your email to me. Like, you know, this is like not the reputation the player want to get. So like as someone who has written, like I will write emails or I will write letters or something like that. And I will step back and be like, I'm going to wait and you know, I'm going to read this tomorrow. I'm going to take an hour and read it in an hour. Like I'm going to go eat dinner, go have a snack, go take a shower, like whatever it is, like take that break. It's amazing how much that little bit of time will help just kind of clear the cash on your brain and, that you yeah. look at it with a fresh set of eyes. I mean, I I always tell kids all the time, like I wish you guys would get email etiquette class, you know, because every once in a while they'll send one, and I'm like, are you mad at me? Like, because <laughs> it's just like a very very simple, just one sentence, and I'm like, are you are we good? You know, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but I just yeah, that's that's a great thing, and we tell our guys a lot of times. I mean, I always found this to be really important for me as a as a student athlete was studying take an hour study take that half an hour off and you'll digest a lot more you'll you'll absorb a lot more of that material you know you don't need to do one hour two hours off um but i think that's really great advice mike to a a lot of young people because you never know if you're going to say something that may be misconstrued and once you hit send on anything social media any of that stuff um, it's definitely something where y- you really have to play, um, the game to get that kind of erased, you know, it's just tough yeah. to erase once you hit send. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to put yourself in a corner right off the sure. bat and like, you don't have to dig yourself out of that hole. 
So, um, but coach, before before I let you go, like I'm sure there's people they've been listening to this, they really want to know where they can find out more about the Transylvania program. So, like online, like where they find you online on social, like how should they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, transysports.com, um, we've got plenty of information on there. If if anyone's ever interested in our program, it's got uh, all of our email addresses and things like that to contact us. Um, and uh, you know, student athlete questionnaire things. Um, and then on Twitter, Transy Lax, uh, Transylvania shortened, uh, Transy underscore Lax. And then we have an Instagram uh, account, Transylvania uh, Lax as well. So, yeah, check us out. Shoot us a follow. And, and Coach Justice is on there, too. I'm on there as well. I'm uh, Lottom and Empire as on, uh, on the old uh, Instagram. So I'm kind of figuring that stuff out and enjoying it. So it's just a lot of pictures of my French bulldog. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's good stuff. So thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to continue listening and enjoying uh, all the stuff you're offering to parents, players, and coaches. This is just awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you so much. And I, I like the Instagram handle. That, that's a, that, you got a good one there. You're like, <laughs> I'm always jealous when I hear some of the people that got they worked their name into it. I was like, man, if my last name was a little bit different, like, you know, so cool. So that, that one's cool. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I'll, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, you, you have a good evening, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right.